Well, good morning, Zoe Church. My name is Pastor Dan, and I am the Connections Pastor here at Zoe, and uh, I'm so excited to be here this morning. It is Sunday. Sunday is the best day of the week because it is the day that we get to come together and worship God together, and so I hope you are ready to receive a word from the Lord today. Um, this message on my heart has been confirmed uh, in prayer and confirmed by others also in prayer um, about a half a dozen times, and so I know that this message is for somebody today. Whether it touches one person or a hundred people, I'm praying that you're ready to receive. Um, as I said, I am the Connections Pastor here at Zoe Church, and I've had the privilege of serving this incredible community with my lovely wife, Pastor Amanda, for the last two years. And it has been such a joy and such an honor to get to know so many of you and to build relationships with you and see this community uh, thrive and flourish. Um, and I, I just want to take a minute before I continue um, I want to be very clear about something. It's easy to prepare a message, got a couple weeks, prepare a message, message get excited about what God's going to do through it, and come up here and deliver it with high energy once in a while. What's difficult is coming up here every single week, talking to the same group of people week after week after week with new revelation, new inspiration, new enthusiasm, new excitement, new humor, keeping you guys entertained, Every single week, whether you're sick, whether you feel great, whether you're struggling with life, in addition, leading a church, leading a staff, casting vision, leading a mission, being a husband and a father, it's easy to step up here today, but I just need to take a minute to honor Pastor Greg for what he does for this community on a weekly basis. It is a privilege to be up here and an honor and uh, I know that, and I'm thankful to him for extending that privilege and that honor to me this morning. And uh, my prayer is that I would steward it well. Today, we're going to get right into it because we got a lot to cover. Today, we are discussing a moment in the life of the great Apostle Paul that changed everything forever. And what's amazing about this moment is not just what happened to Paul, it's what happened through Paul. What's amazing about this moment is that um, in this moment, what happened to Paul might have been life-changing, but what happened through Paul was world-changing. Everybody wants to change the world. You have this feeling inside of you that you want to see the world change for the better. We want to see less pain and more Jesus, am I right? But you can't change the world unless you first allow God to change you. And so this is a story about life change that produces world change. Life change precedes world change. This is a story about divine alignment with Jesus. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn them on or open them to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verses uh, 1. And while you're opening your Bibles or turning them on, I'm going to um, share with you some context for this scripture. Remember that when you read a text, if you don't understand the context, the text will lack uh, it, meaning to you. You won't understand it. It's hard to get what you're reading if you don't understand context. And so the book of Acts is a relatively small book. It's a book that um, charters the, the missionary journey and the, the narrative of the spread of, of Christianity from the, from the um, Jewish world into the Gentile world. And despite the book being relatively small, um, this book tells this story on three separate occasions, which really emphasizes the importance of this story. This story is found in Acts chapter 9, 22, and 26. 
And the subject of our story today is the great Apostle Paul, but he wasn't Paul in the beginning. He, has, he had a former name. His name, before it changed to Paul, was Saul. And for the sake of our story today, we are going to use his former name, Saul. It's a little bit confusing. Prior to the Apostle Paul becoming the greatest New Testament writer, the most prolific author, and the greatest missionary, and probably one of the greatest church leaders of all time, Paul was known as Saul, and he lived a very different life. See, Saul was a Jew, and he was zealous after God, but he didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And so he was um, living for God, but his theology was out of alignment. He was living for God, doing things for the synagogue, doing what he thought would have been right, but he, his theology was out of alignment. And so what he was doing was he was persecuting the people that followed Jesus while simultaneously serving the synagogue. He, he just had it wrong. And he was a, Saul was an ambitious leader. He was a powerful authority. He was resourceful. He had influence. He had everything the world tells you would be great to have, but his heart was still out of alignment. And so Saul spent a great deal of time persecuting and chasing after Christians, capturing them, killing them, prosecuting them. And our story begins in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, where Saul is literally on a journey to go to take care of business and take these Christians out of Damascus and bring them to Jerusalem to persecute them. To eliminate what he believed was a false prophet and people following something that was a false prophet. And so our story is a story about divine alignment. We're going to read our text this morning. If you uh, would please stand for the reading of God's word. This is just our way of saying we're putting God's word above my word. God's word comes first. We have a, quite a few uh, verses to read, so don't lock your knees. I don't need any of you going down. Acts chapter 9, verse 1, it'll be up on the screen. You can read along with me. It says this, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Let's be clear, Saul was still a murderer. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if any were found there who belonged to the way, those were Jesus' followers, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Uh-oh. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And so the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. So Saul got up from the ground. He was obedient. He, when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. He was blind. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. And the story continues to tell us that God called a man named Ananias to come to Saul. And to lay hands on him and to heal him of his blindness and to call him. And Ananias was obedient. He did just that. And Saul, when he was healed of his blindness, it's something like scales fell from his eyes. 
and he immediately regained his strength and he went into the very synagogue that he worked for to preach the message that he fought against. And so the Jews that, he, that looked to him for leadership wanted to kill him and the Christians that he was going to kill saved him. He was lowered out of the city wall to escape the Jews in a basket. Pray with me. Spirit of the living God, we need you to fall fresh on this place. We need your Holy Spirit to be present. God, I pray that you would ordain the steps forward for each one of us. That you would make a way for us. That you would change our hearts and change our minds and reveal to us the grace and the mercy that can save us. Jesus, I pray for anybody walking in here with the spirit of doubt or the spirit of atheism or the spirit of depression or the spirit of anxiety. God, I pray that you would touch our hearts in Jesus' name. I pray that you would move in our lives and it would defy our logic, defy our reasoning, defy our understanding, and it would change us forever. In Jesus' name, speak to us through your word. Everybody said amen. You could be seated. What a contrast in the life of Saul. He went from education, he went from power, he went from authority to being lowered out of the city gates in a basket. That's a pretty humbling thing for a grown man to do. Why did this happen? How did this happen? To abandon everything in a moment to live a life that would eventually lead him to torture, to prison, to persecution, would almost require Saul to have to become a different person in a moment. It would almost require everything to change for Saul. The title of this message this morning is this, the moment everything changed. The moment everything changed. Have you ever had a moment in your life where everything changed? Maybe you didn't do something, but something happened to you, and everything changed. I remember when I was diagnosed with cancer, and in a moment, everything changed. My plans changed, my finances changed, my, my direction of life changed. Everything changed for me when I was diagnosed. I remember uh, when I got married, everything changed. I had to change if I wanted to stay married, so everything eventually changed. Praise the Lord. Where are my married people at? Yeah. And everything really changed when I had a kid. If I thought it changed when I got married, it really changed when that baby popped out and you realize how much of a narcissist you are and you got to literally submit to the will of this crawling creature that's demanding every bit of attention from you. Everything changes when you have a kid. The moment everything changed. See, I believe occasionally life can change over the course of time. But I believe that sometimes life can change in a moment. Because when I met Jesus, everything changed. Nothing could stay the same. Nothing could be the same. I had a rough start growing up in life. I had a bad hand dealt to me. I was troubled. I was depressed. I was full of anxiety. And I probably shouldn't have been here. But I had a moment where everything changed. I had a moment where the spirit of God came over me and the direction of my life completely changed. It wasn't a season, it wasn't it wasn't anything but a moment. 
I believe that all God needs to change us, to change our circumstance, all he needs to heal you, all he needs to restore your mind, all he needs to, to give you forgiveness, all he needs to let you know that you are loved is just a moment. All it is is a moment. He needs a moment and he can turn it around. We pray for this and we pray for that. We pray for provision and we pray for more money and we pray for all of these things in life. But what we need to start praying for is a moment with Jesus that changes everything. Because world change begins with life change and the only thing that can change our life is a moment with Jesus. Everything can change in a moment. Your painful past does not disqualify you from your promising future in Christ Jesus. Saul, like me, had a rough start. See, he was doing his own thing. He was taking matters into his own hand, and he was off course. He was out of alignment. The old Saul wouldn't have been able to recognize the new Saul. And what's crazy is if you think about it, the old Saul probably would have persecuted and tried to kill the new Saul. The Saul that didn't know Jesus would have killed the Saul that knew Jesus. He was on his way. He was going out of his way to do harm against the Messiah and the Messiah's people. He had a rough start because he was not aligned with Jesus. See, Saul knew all there was to know about God. Saul had a Ph.D. level education in Old Testament theology. He knew all there was to know about God, but he didn't believe Jesus was the real Messiah. You can know all there is to know about God and not know God. You can be in church and never know God. You can listen to worship music on KTIS, bumping in your car, and never know God. You can hear the, the scripture being read and never have a relationship with God. Because God does not call us just to know about him. He calls us to know him in relationship. Somebody can't do it for you. It has to be you. God does not call us just to know about him. He calls us to know him. See, we cannot walk in God's purpose for our life if we do not align with the will of Jesus. And whether you realize it or not, you are chasing purpose, you are chasing worth, you are chasing happiness, you are chasing joy, but we just look in the wrong places. We just look to the wrong thing. See, this is that feeling, that nagging feeling that keeps you up at 3 a.m. and you're wondering why you're doing the job that you're doing, why you're living the life that you're living, why you're continuing on when you just feel a lack of purpose. This is that feeling when you get the promotion, but you still aren't happy. This is that aching feeling on the inside of us that if I just had that car that I wanted or if I just had that house that I want, that life will be good then. This is when we lack purpose. It's all about purpose. It's all about meaning. See, I've spent most a, a large portion of my life seeking purpose and seeking worth in things that the enemy will tell me will make me fulfilled. And I've come to know that I don't want a purpose that's fabricated. That I don't want a purpose for my life that's a cheap imitation of what God can give me. I don't want a cheap replica. I don't want an, uh, an impersonation. What I want is a divine purpose. A purpose that only comes from an encounter with Jesus. A moment where Jesus changes everything. 
a purpose that only comes from an encounter with God. Point number one this morning, if you're taking notes, divine purpose requires divine alignment. Divine purpose, we all chase it. It requires divine alignment. If you want to pursue your purpose, you must be aligned with Jesus. Our problem is that all of us chase purpose, but very few chase alignment. You cannot simultaneously be aligned with the world and the things of the world and aligned with God's purpose in your life. Alignment with Jesus changes the direction of your life. It changes where you were headed before. It it forces you to come out of something to go into something different. See, what this means is that when we pursue Jesus, our trajectory becomes greater than our history. I had a messed up history. I have a messed up testimony. I had some trauma and some baggage that was put on me. I didn't want it. But that's in my history now. Think about your history. Think about the things behind you. And Jesus is saying it's time to leave them behind you because I have a new trajectory for you. I have a new direction for you. You don't have to be the person that you once were. You don't have to be the person that your history in the enemy tells you that you were. Because in a moment, Jesus can change everything. In a moment, he can turn your life around. I'm telling you right now that when you follow Jesus, your trajectory becomes greater than your history. And you no longer have to live how you once were. The old me wouldn't recognize the new me. The old me wouldn't have known that I was going to be doing this. The new me doesn't think like the old me. The new me doesn't act like the old me. The new me is not addicted like the old me. The new me isn't in bondage like the old me. The new me has a new trajectory and Jesus said, I'm going to take your brokenness and heal it and turn it for good. When you follow Jesus, your trajectory becomes greater than your history. And this is certainly the case for the Apostle Paul. Saul had to come out of alignment with his original mission to be in alignment with God's purpose for him. He had to come out of alignment with his bad theology. He had to come out of alignment with his unbelief in the Messiah. He had to come out of alignment with his job, his friends, his mission, and he abandoned literally everything to pursue a life following Jesus. And what he thought was great before, God took him to a place he never would have imagined. But he had to abandon his history to pursue his trajectory. Here's the thing about alignment. We spend so much time aligning everything in our life. When your spine is out of alignment, you go to a chiropractor and they adjust you. When your teeth are out of alignment, you get referred to an orthodontist and the orthodontist will fix you some braces or maybe that headgear that some people wear. When your sense of direction is out of alignment, your GPS will let you know that you're off course. But my question is, how come when it comes to our walk with Jesus, so many of us are defensive when we're out of alignment? I'll align all these things in my life, but when it comes to my faith, don't touch that. Don't tell me how to live. I'll interpret the Bible for myself. Don't tell me that I'm doing something wrong. Don't tell me that I have to forgive that person that hurt me. Don't tell me that I have to let these things go. Don't tell me that I have to live in accordance to the scripture. I don't believe that. I just believe parts of it. 
We spend so much time aligning everything in our life, but when it comes to our faith, we're walking around with spiritual scoliosis. And you have a limp, and you're wondering why this thing hurts so bad, why this thing is so painful, why this this faith thing doesn't work, why am I praying and I never get an answer? And God's saying, you never aligned with me. You never aligned with my teaching. Not that it's going to fix every problem, but at least walk with a straight back. We need to align with Jesus to engage in God's purpose for our life. And Saul, he believed in God. He knew the Old Testament, but he didn't believe Jesus was the real Messiah. He had to align his belief system with Jesus. Saul worked hard. He accomplished a lot for the synagogue, but he was persecuting the very people that he would eventually serve. His direction was out of alignment. Saul worked hard and accomplished all of these great things in the eyes of the synagogue. But he had to come out of alignment with what he was doing to pursue alignment with Jesus. Divine purpose requires divine alignment. And then Saul had a moment with Jesus that changed everything. Then he had a moment with Jesus that took him from his history to his trajectory. Alignment in a moment can be difficult, it can be painful, but it was never a call to comfort. It was never something that was meant to be easy, it was a call to purpose. It was a call to meaning. And so often we forsake purpose and meaning for comfort and realize why we get all this comfort, but why we're still dead on the inside. My God, I hope you hear this. Saul had a moment with Jesus. His moment changed everything. This moment would spiritually adjust him. It would spiritually align him with God's purpose. And everything changed. And notice in the scripture that Saul... When he met Jesus and he fell to his knees, you can imagine the fear and the trembling that was taking place on the inside of him. You can imagine that he was terrified of what was going to happen next because he met the person he was persecuting. And in this moment, he falls to his knees and he doesn't try to explain to Jesus why his theology was different than his. He didn't try to say, well, this is why I, I was doing this, Jesus. I was trying to do something good. He didn't say, sorry, because I got caught. What he did was he was obedient. See, what you need to know about repentance is true repentance is simply just obedience. Repentance is literally saying, I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing, and I'm not going to have a big sorry party. I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing, and I'm going to turn the other direction and go a different direction. Repentance is action. It's not words. Repentance is movement. It's not just an idea. Repentance is Saul getting up off his knees with blindness saying, I'm going to go into the city like Jesus commanded me to. And I had it wrong all these years, but I'm going to go to that house and I'm going to start praying. And I'm going to get a vision from God that says, Ananias is going to come heal me. See, he, he repented in a moment. Alignment with Jesus requires repentance. Only repentance. Only turning from the path that you were on and forsaking Something to pursue Jesus can align you with him. Some of us don't pay attention in church because we are so busy insulating our bad decisions. Because we don't want to have to actually change. Some of us don't read the word of God because when we read it, it convicts us. And what we don't want is someone telling us what to do. 
And some of us will never buy into this faith thing. And we're afraid to have an encounter with Jesus because we're afraid to walk away from the things that give us comfort. But I'm telling you, this is the thing that will save your soul. This is the thing that will change everything for you in a moment. And what we need to pursue as a church, as a people, is an encounter with Jesus that changes everything. An encounter with Jesus that turns us into a moment of repentance where we turn from what we were doing and we do something different. And we're obedient to the word of God. Maybe you have been aligned in your life. Maybe you made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you have been a Christian forever. But what you need to know is point number two. Divine alignment is not permanent, it's practice. You don't make a decision to follow Jesus and get your golden ticket punched and that's the end of your story. That's the beginning of your journey. There's this process, this divine alignment that we call sanctification that you are just beginning on. When you decide to follow Jesus, you are just beginning your journey of growing into the person that he is calling you to be. To leave your old self behind, to leave your history behind, and start focusing on your new self. The new self that aligns with God's teachings. The new self that aligns with the word of God. And so we don't get our golden ticket punched and that's the end of the story. That is the beginning of our journey of becoming more and more like Jesus. And I want to free somebody today. If you decided to follow Jesus when you were a kid, but you know that you were off course, and you know that you are no longer living in this, you don't have to go back and redo it all. God is simply just calling you to change course. Imagine a ship traveling across the ocean. When a ship begins its journey, it sets its destination, its final destination. Well, if the ship in the beginning of its journey gets slightly off course, you won't notice immediately that there's a gap that's growing. But the final destination will look completely different than your intention. God is not calling us to go back to the starting point and redo the whole thing. He's calling us simply to just change course to get back on the destination that he has called you to back into alignment with him back under his authority back under submission to Christ Jesus so how then do we realign ourselves with Jesus what does that even mean how do I okay Dan I want to align with Jesus and make sure that every facet of my life is in alignment with the call of God What do I do next? It's this concept called spiritual discipline. Spiritual discipline. The more you engage in spiritual discipline, the more you will look like Jesus. God never called us to just be something. He calls us to take a step of obedience. He calls us to move. He calls us to change. He calls us to grow. How do we do that? Spiritual discipline. See, the more you do this, the more God changes you. And I'm going to give you four in just a second. The more you engage in these, the more your mind will change. The more your perspective changes. The more you can forgive people. The more you can let go of your old self and step into your new self. The more you can transform on the inside out. The more you get into these things, the more you will love God and love people. So it's not just a task. 
it's not just a list of things to do. It's an identity to take on. It's not just things that occupy our time. They occupy our spirit. They occupy our mind. They occupy our motives and our intentions. So spiritual discipline is how you align with Jesus. I'm going to read you four spiritual disciplines. If you're taking notes, write these down. We submit our energy and our effort and our learning and our heart and our minds to these things that grow us closer to Jesus. The first one is this, studying the word of God. Studying the word of God. Notice I didn't say read the word of God. You read a Facebook post. You read an Instagram post. You read a news headline. But what you study, you need to become part of you. So many people read the word of God, but we never study the word of God. And so you just keep thinking, I don't get much from this. I hear this all the time. I just don't get anything when I read this. And you probably won't until you study it and you understand it and it gets on the inside of you. And so we study the word of God. Number two is we pray. Communication is the foundation of every single meaningful relationship that you have in your life, including your relationship with God. We pray, we communicate to God as if we were to communicate to our Father. Number three is we worship. We were literally made, if you want to know why you're on this earth, when you come into a relationship with Jesus, you were on this earth to glorify God. You are on this earth to glorify his name, to exalt him. All creation exalts his name. And so it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter if I come in with a little bit of a headache. It doesn't matter if I'm tired. It doesn't matter what's happening. I am literally made to worship God. And so I come in here and I move my feet and I get out of my comfort zone. Why? Because it glorifies God. And it pleases him. We were made to worship. Study the word of God. Pray, worship. And the last one is this, serve. And now I'm not talking about serving the church, although that's a great place to serve. I'm talking about being a servant. Being a person that says, I don't live for myself anymore. I don't live for my preferences anymore. I don't live for myself. I now am going to give of myself to other people, expecting nothing in return. We serve. Now, church, I'm telling you how to be in alignment with Jesus. I'm telling you how to redirect the direction of your life and to get back on course. I'm telling you how to abandon your history and pursue your new trajectory in Christ Jesus. You, you study the word of God. You pray. You worship. And you serve just as Jesus served. And we do this regularly. We do this repeatedly. We do this like our life depends on it. We do it like our purpose and our eternity depends on it because it does. Saul would never, never have fulfilled his divine purpose that God called him to if he did not engage in these very things. If he did not say, I'm going to repent and turn from what I was doing to do something completely different. He had access to what God wanted to do through him because of that. And our main idea this morning, we call it our big so what if you're new to Zoe. So what you... Uh, if you forget everything I'm saying, just remember this thing. Divine alignment requires complete submission. Complete submission leads to divine purpose. You're chasing purpose whether you realize it or not. You're chasing worth whether you realize it or not. 
divine alignment requires submission. This is repentance. This is turning from who I was to who God wants me to be. Submitting to spiritual disciplines, submitting to the things that he has for you. And complete submission opens the door to God's divine purpose for your life. I believe that life change precedes world change. And Saul's submission to Christ led him into alignment. And his alignment led him into purpose. And his purpose inevitably would change the world. Guys, I would rather be an impactful, impactful person in the kingdom than an impressive person in the world. I would rather be an impactful person than an impressive person. And I've spent too much of my time not repenting, taking matters into my own hands, not submitting every area of my life. Not giving of myself to Jesus when he calls me to, withholding praise because I don't feel like it. I've spent too much of my life on the wrong course. And I can tell you, church, that I'm submitting my desires to God. And I pray this over you right now. I'm submitting my will to him. I'm submitting my relationships, my thoughts, my actions, we just say, he can have it all. He can have it all, God. God can have all of it, every single part of me. The old me took matters into my own hands. And look where that got me. Depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. The new me doesn't recognize the old me. Before I was bitter, but now my heart is soft. Before I was angry, but now I can be gentle. See, before I was hurt, but now God has healed me. It's time to submit to Jesus. It's time to submit your life, to repent to Jesus so that he can turn it around. And church, all he needs is a moment. All he needs is a moment. He needs a moment. And he can heal you. He needs a moment and he can restore you. He needs a moment and he can... He can Heal the things in your mind that are keeping you captive. All he needs is a moment. But he'll never have it if you don't submit. He'll never have it if you don't repent. He'll never have it if you don't fall to your knees just as Saul. I'm done pursuing what the world says will make me happy. I'm done pursuing a new house, a new car, a new thing. Because it's not going to fulfill me. I'm done trying to find joy in material things. I'm done trying to think that if this person just notices me, at that time I will be worth it. I'm done trying to chase the corporate ladder and chase money. I'm done trying to feel worthy or get affirmation from social media. I'm done trying to get somebody to notice me. You can have all the money in the world and you can still be full of anxiety. You can have all the education in the world and still lack wisdom. You can have all the influence there is and still feel completely alone. You can be the most beautiful person on the planet and still be full of anxiety and insecurity. You can appear confident on the outside but you can tear yourself up on the inside. Church, you can acquire accolades and still feel like a fraud. You can appear sinless and still be sinful on the inside. 
I'm done chasing the things of the world. It's time to kneel before Jesus, to have a moment with Jesus that changes everything. The enemy can only sell you a false promise. He will only tell you you can have what he doesn't have to give. He will only try to sell you happiness, but he can only steal. He'll sell you, try to sell you joy through things in the world, but he can only kill. It's time to come out of alignment with our old way and into alignment with what God is calling us to do next. Church, this moment was confirmed to me in a couple of conversations and I just pray that this is the moment that you hear. I pray that this is the moment that causes breakthrough. Maybe it's somebody in the back row. Maybe it's somebody in the middle who is trying to fade in the background. But I pray that you hear this moment. If you don't hear anything else, you hear this right now. You go to Jesus for purpose. You go to Jesus for worth. You go to Jesus for healing. You go to Jesus for joy. You go to Jesus for comfort. You go to Jesus for mercy. You go to Jesus for grace. You go to Jesus for alignment. And if you've been looking in the wrong place, now is the opportunity to turn from that direction and do something new. My dad always told me growing up that there were moments in his life, and I honor my father, he's the greatest man I ever knew. There was moments in his life when he was at the end of his rope broken, busted up where he sat in his car and he had no answer to move forward he had nothing he could do to resolve his situation and he would sit in his car and listen to worship music and Jesus would get a hold of him and change him on the inside it wasn't that his circumstances changed, it was that his heart changed. It wasn't that his life changed, it was that his mind changed. And he always told me this growing up and I never understood it until I became an adult. But he says, those were the moments in my life that nobody can take from me. Those were the moments that no one can take from me. That no matter what happens, I'm going to my grave knowing that all God took was a moment to change my life. Now I look at my situation in my life and I see a moment when I was in 10th grade after, after wanting to take my life being in an auditorium where God healed me from suicide. I know that I look at that moment in my life and I know that that's a moment that nobody can take from me. A moment where Jesus changed everything. And church, I'm praying this right now. I'm not praying for more wealth. I'm not praying for more things. I'm not praying for just provision. I'm not just praying for the, the typical things that we ask God for, our Christmas list. I'm not praying for that. What I'm praying for you right now is a moment that would change everything. A moment that would wake you up to the, the call of God on your life. A moment that would snap you out of alignment with your old way and into alignment with His. I'm praying a moment over you right now. And I think this is the moment for somebody in this room who is not following Jesus. Maybe you have had atheism on your life like I used to, or maybe you were doubting, or maybe you're struggling, or maybe you're bitter and angry because you were hurt by the church. And I'm telling you right now, this is your moment to make a decision to follow Jesus. This is your moment to be bold, to say, I'm done living how I used to. I'm done doing what I used to. I'm gonna pursue Jesus. 
I'm going to be like Saul. I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to turn from what I used to do to walk into what I'm now going to do. And the old me is not going to recognize the new me. This is your moment. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to make a decision to follow Jesus right now. And so everybody bow your heads. And what I want you to do, if you are making a decision to follow Jesus, if you say, I'm sick of what I was doing and I want to walk into what God has for me next, what I want you to do is raise your hand and look, look up at me and make eye contact with me. Be bold in this moment. I see you. I see you. I see you. Raise your hand right now. I see you. There's a couple more that are not... They're holding back on this decision because you're afraid. But Jesus has taken it all on the cross. He's taken it all upon himself. You don't have to carry your baggage anymore. You don't have to walk around in sin anymore. He has healed you in Jesus' name. I see you. I see you. I see you. Praise God. Praise God. Pray this prayer after me. Jesus, I submit my life to you. I submit my whole life to you. I repent and turn from my old ways and I walk into all that you have for me. Thank you for the cross and for redeeming and restoring my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can look up and uh, do me a favor. This is not a golf clap. This is not just a little pat on the back. This is the biggest decision that you can make in your entire life. And so I want you to get crazy and get loud and praise God for what's taking place. Come on. Come on. Here's what we're gonna do, church. We're gonna get outside of our comfort zone. We're gonna move a little bit. Motion creates emotion. And so what we're gonna do, I know you all sit in the same seat every single week, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to fill these altars. I want you to come forward if that's what you wanna do. Go to the sides if that's what you wanna do. We're gonna declare victory and sing this song for Jesus and turn from our old ways and snap into alignment with his will. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna worship. I pray that you would get after it in this moment. Come on. Come on, will you stand in response? We're responding to Christ and what he's done for us. Let's sing this out. Let's sing, pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit on our praise. Come let revival fill this place. Stir up our faith for greater things. Lord, we ask, we seek, we pray. All this to lift up and proclaim. Christ, the highest name, send us your power like the flame. 
Church, here's what we're going to do. We're going to leave these altars open for this time. But if you need to go, I want you to feel free to go. But we just also don't want to quench or stop with God speaking and moving on your heart. And I believe that he is doing that. And so for those of you that are just feeling God speaking to you in real ways, we're going to leave these altars open. We're going to keep playing and singing. I'm going to pray. But if you feel like you need to go, that's fine. We we bless you. Hope you have a great week. But I'm going to pray. And then you're welcome to linger. Is that cool? God, we love you. We respond to you. God, we thank you so much for the trajectory that through Christ that we have, for the future that we have through Christ. So this morning as a church, corporately, but as individuals, God, we leave behind our past. We say no to the old man and yes to the new man. So Jesus, we come this morning and we thank you that you're at work and you're moving. And I just pray that you solidify things in our hearts, compel us and fill us to go, to be the people of God that you've called us to be in every way. God, we love you. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray.